0: Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast it's the final word with J.C. Sherbert here. Uh, Gamecocks heading into their eighth game of the 2020 season. And the first of a new era. Um. Not necessarily the new era, but a new era. Will Muschamp fired, of course, on Sunday. Mike Bobo, offensive coordinator, takes over as the Gamecocks interim head coach. Uh, released a mailbag episode late last night, early this morning. Uh, going to also clean up the mailbag questions we have. Going to kind of put the coaching search stuff into next week. When we come back Monday or Tuesday. Um, and then yours truly is going to take a break from his phone ringing for a little bit and grill some steaks tonight. So, watch a little football tomorrow. Um, Missouri's coming in six-and-a-half point favorite. They're decimated by COVID as well. Looking at the matchups, you know, I would – I think if they were at full strength, Carolina would probably be a bigger underdog than that. I think people are kind of banking on – you know, when you see things like, you know, two – pretty well-known cornerbacks or defensive backs opting out, you know, obviously you think, well, that's 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 tough. But, look, you know, you, you got to go play, and John Dixon and Cam Smith are the, are the guys in the secondary, and, you know, those guys are young, and they make mistakes, and they'll make mistakes this weekend, but they're talented. You know, it's not like you're walking out there with um, a guy that can't play ball or that doesn't have the athleticism to match up. You know, they Carolina – has to be better on the edges on defense, uh, against the run. They love to, to do the, um, what's it called the stretch play with round tree where he just kind of turns it up. You know, Carolina's got to do well. That means the corners do have to tackle and the safeties and the ends and uh, all that good stuff. Um, and then Bezalak and, and and that offense that, uh, Eli Drinkwitz likes to run is a, uh, is a, um, you know, really good, uh, really good master of the short passing game. Now South Carolina last year lost to app state in Drinkwitz when they came in. Um, and Carolina played pretty well against their defense, uh, or mean their offense. I think App only had 200 yards of total offense in the game. Gamecocks just didn't go very far. And it was really apps defense and that game plan that, that sort of caused the loss. But, uh, you know, you go back to NC State in 2017, if you're looking for, you know, past matchups and, and drink, which is the OC at NC State, Gamecocks won that football game, but North Carolina State had 500 yards of total offense to like 249 for the Gamecocks, which tells you a whole lot about Kurt Roper as an offensive coordinator because they had a ton of NFL players on that offense. Um, and We'll see if Jake Bentley and Shai Smith uh, – I can almost assure you those guys are going to be drafted too. So, you know, draft picks all over the place. But, you know, the old 249, that was a good NC State D. uh, And the offense made big plays when they had to. But I still think, you know, a little better OC or something like that. Maybe you you score more points for that group. But anyway, that's in the past. Um, You know, looking at this matchup, I, I think, you know, it's for the Mayor's Cup, the Columbia Cup. People call it different things. Uh, I think the official title is the Mayor's Cup. Uh, South Carolina is five and three against Missouri uh, since joining the the SEC, and 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 since Missouri, sorry, since Missouri joined the SEC, uh, they're five and four since the Gamecocks have been in the SEC, and five and five overall. The first South Carolina game I went to as a child, I think I was two and a half, three, was in Birmingham and the Hall of Fame Bowl in nineteen seventy nine. Gamecocks played the Missouri Tigers, lost 24-14. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there was that. Um, I, I can tell you right now, I, I've seen South Carolina play every team in the league that they've played live except Missouri. For some reason, I, I've never gone to that game. I didn't go 2018, 2016, 2014, 2012 when it was in Columbia, and I've never been to a game at Columbia, Missouri. I've been out there on that campus. And I've seen the stadium. I've never been to a game. Um, so the only times I've seen Missouri play South Carolina were in the two bowl games. One, I don't remember. I was a kid. I was, high, it was raining. I was hiding under my mom's raincoat. And then I went to the independence bowl with my good friend, the late great John Manning V horn, who unfortunately passed away in 2014. He was kind of my buddy uh, in the early adulthood. We, we, we'd like to, we all always kind of went to the games together. Cause, some other friends couldn't go, or, or whatever, and, and and my wife couldn't go at the time. My wife at the time couldn't go because she had to work weekends, and so you know, boy, miss old Manning. But I'll never forget we went to that game. It was a devastating loss. It was right there at the end of the first Spurrier season, and Carolina had lost to Clemson, and you know they're up twenty eight to seven, just kicking Missouri in the teeth, and then sure enough, Brad Smith led Missouri back, and they ended up winning. And it was just a it was a hard it was a hard one to take after that football game. Yeah, Red knows that too. He he thinks it's a it was difficult a difficult time for old Red too back in two thousand five. But um, anyway, that's just kind of a personal aside there. But since the SEC in the SEC era, South Carolina has uh, you know, really gotten the best of Mizzou in in the series. Uh, but there have been some kind of improbable wins uh, for the Gamecocks. I mean, you, you think back to, of course, everybody knows the the 2013 game uh, where Missouri's ranked third in the country and the Gamecocks come back from 17-0 down. Connor Shaw replaces Dylan Thompson. And Steve Spurrier figured out that uh, Missouri wasn't really good at stopping the, the, the screen pass over the middle of the running back, and they never stopped it the whole night. Mike Davis had a lot of receiving yards, and then – you know, they dialed up Bruce Ellington on a clutch play. That, that's really, you know, Connor Shaw, the legend of Connor Shaw, like, you know, and, and he had kind of been working on that. But that night, you know, that 2013 Missouri game when he came off the bench and led the Gamecocks back, that was, that was kind of, that was when you kind of knew, hey, this guy, <laughs> this guy's going to go down in history. Uh, boy, that 2013 team won a lot of. A lot of games against highly ranked teams. Unfortunately, they lost to Tennessee on the road, but uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, you know, there's that game. There's Then there's the next year in Columbia, South Carolina. Rory Anderson catches a pass. Late in the game, Tyrone Nix's defense, actually for 80% of that ball game, played their best game of the year. So it was 20-7. Spurrier, when he questioned himself about this later, didn't go for two. 20 to 7. And then Matt, Matty Monk marched them down the field twice. They won the division again that year. And that was the first of those blown double digit second half leads. Uh, so Missouri won that one. Uh, Missouri won a game. Drew Locke's first start. He, um, you know, he, uh, he, he, he was pretty good against John Hoke's defense. Um, and Carolina started Lorenzo Nunez, and they lost 24-10 to 10 out there. That was kind of at the beginning of the end for Spurrier that year. And so, you know, that, that was that, that game, you know. So, you got two and two at that point. And then Will Muschamp did a great job against Mizzou, uh, Jake Bentley, Jake Bentley especially, you know, um, the next two years. Uh, they led them 31-21, that clinched a bowl or almost clinched a bowl. You know, they had Western Carolina left in 2016. That was a really big game. I mean, you know, um, and then the next year in game number two out in Columbia, Missouri, Mizzou's up 10-0, Debo returns the kickoff for a touchdown. Jam Williams intercepts a pass. Debo on the reverse. Um, Gamecocks ended up winning pretty easily Uh, 31-13. And then Drew Locke had his last chance to beat the Gamecocks in 2018 uh, and, and looked like he was going to do it. And uh, monsoon happened, and Michael Skarnecchia led his team down the field. Parker White hit the game-winning field goal, and they won 37-35. Uh, and then last season was probably one of the most inexcusable losses in the history of South Carolina football. Um, you know, you go up there, you've just had a great offensive great. I say, I say great. You had a good offensive game against Bama. You hung in there better than you thought. Uh, and You go up there and they clearly have sold out, you know, to stop the run. Clearly. Um, but your quarterback got, you know, is a true freshman and he's off clearly, you know. So, and, and the defense wasn't playing bad, but instead of running and trying to get yourself out of a bad position and playing maybe a little more conservatively, you know, some people... Blame Will must for being too conservative. This is one he should be conservative. Um, you just kept chunking it, and then Holinsky made one mistake. And then you finally get back in the game. Brian Edwards makes a great play for a touchdown. Um, and, and then Missouri comes back. And then you're driving, 24-14 ball game. Uh, I think they're the three-yard line, two-yard line. And instead of trying to run it in, uh, or or instead of just – I mean, even you could just fall on the ball. Yeah, there's an RPO call or, or, or whatever. Halinski th- should have never been given the option to throw that pass, 100-yard pick six ball game. Um, Inexplicable that that happened in that football game, given at that point you had a quarterback that had struggled uh, a lot during the day. Um, you know, at that point, too, your defense is playing pretty well. Kelly Bryant was erratic, too. You know, you cut it to twenty four seventeen and live to fight another day. But anyway, uh, if you don't get the run, if you don't run it in the end zone, you know, maybe I mean, I think this year's team would line up and run it in the end zone. What do you think? So, um, so that's that. You know, Missouri defensively, I think that what what the concern is is they are going. You know, their whole concept is sell out and stop the run. Uh, and they're going to stack the box and do that. So South Carolina is going to have to do some things in the passing game or just in the run game to try to be able to run the football, and that's a concern, um, you know, because that's what Texas A&M did. They were like, "You are not going to run the football." Now Missouri's not A&M, not even close. But uh, that's the concern is if Colin Hill and the receivers and tight ends and backs and if you're not able to get a pass off or throw the ball. And they sell out to stop the run and you're not going as far. I mean, it's going to be a long day. So that's my take on this game. Uh, you know, I think that all of you out there in Gamecock land, probably if you're like me at all, uh, you're looking forward to it. I haven't enjoyed a game in years, you know, because the must champ era was just so, you know, there was just like almost an unspoken pressure. And then there was pressure on me because I wanted to work out and then, you know, pressure every week. But, uh, you know, this week it's just – it's kind of like when Sean Elliott was there, and you know, just kind of go play free and see what happens. If they lose, they're expected to lose, you know. It'd be great if they won because I think you're always looking for small victories when you're in a transition like this. And getting the getting the cup back would be a good small victory. Obviously, beating Georgia would be a huge victory, but – you know, competing in that football game, I think would be a minor victory. And I think certainly everybody's embarrassed by the Kentucky streak. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to be going on by that time. I mean, that's that's a, that's a trip to Kentucky in December. But, um, you know, I, there's every reason in the world uh, for these guys to go play these three games. And, and, and that's, you know, that's a little bit unfortunate about the opt-out too is, you know, I don't know, these games may not matter in terms of winning a championship or anything like that. They could, you know, they matter in terms of getting to a bowl, but um, I, uh, you know, these games individually, no matter what the records are at South Carolina, these games matter. You know, maybe if you're, you know, on a five-game win streak against Kentucky, it's like, you know, maybe not. But you're not. And, you know, this kind of trending stuff matters. Um, And the Georgia game always matters. There's a reason they moved the Georgia game to Thanksgiving weekend with the Gamecocks not playing Clemson. You know, that that was kind of by design after they took the Clemson game away. (laughs) They're like, okay, well, you can can play Georgia that weekend. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I I don't – you know, I'm probably going to pick the Gamecocks to win, and I'll give you my prediction in a second. I'm going to give you my hotspot players right now on offense. It's Jalen Brooks. You know, I, I thought late in the old Miss game, him making catches, even though I think he dropped another one later. Um, you know, he went up and got that one. I, I think that's going to help his confidence, and he needs it. I, I don't – yeah, he's not really having trouble at this point. I know against LSU he did. At this point, he's, he's getting open, you know. And physically, you know, he's a guy that, that looks like he belongs. He's just not making catches. So – maybe making that catch and, and, and re- maybe he'll relax and go play. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, like I said, Missouri sells out to stop the run. That means they need another receiver to step up. And then on defense, I'm going to go with the guy that's, you know, the, the last man standing, so to speak, in the, in the secondary, and that's Jamie Robinson. Uh, I think, you know, Jamie's the type of guy that I'd be shocked if he ever opted out. You know, nothing nothing completely surprises me, but Robinson's a guy that loves football, you know. And now he becomes the leader back there at safety in the secondary. He's kind of the elder statesman, so to speak. So he's got to have a good game, especially when you're talking about what Missouri does, you know, with the stretch plays and then the intermediate passing game. Robinson's very, very important. So I'm going to go ahead and predict it. Uh, I think the Gamecocks will will have success on offense. Uh, you know, I think they'll find a way to run the ball. They're at home. This is a team with Missouri that's not playing with the full deck, and the Gamecocks aren't either. So I think it's evenly matched. I think Carolina pulls out another, another one that may get wild. I think um, I'm going to go 28-24, you know. And uh, it's, it's not that I think the defense is all of a sudden going to – become miraculous I, I think that you know with the players they have out and all that you know it's it may be a game where they make some mistakes so that's the k- take on that one um i want to i want to say this too and i posted this on the big spur today you know we have this thing right now where you kind of have some division on on social media between the spur era players and and some of the must champ era players um you know Steven Garcia said it best when when on JB and Goldwater today when he was like better days are ahead it's a shame some of these guys are acting this way but you know keep the faith um and and I agree with him on that and and I think that that's you know taking ownership of the program nine ten years later you know is impressive uh and and I think You know, guys like – it's not – you know, Steven Garcia had every reason in the world to be bitter about his experience in South Carolina. So, you know, I understand that, you know, Javon Kinlaw makes a comment today and J.C. Horn continues to comment and all that good stuff, and that's fine. Um, And guys in the NFL or or whatever, but – you know, what I want you guys to avoid, you out there, the fans, is this. And there's a new coach coming in, and, and I think he can have success right away if they patch some holes and, and, and get some guys. It's going to be an interesting off season because of the transfer rules that are coming down. Um, so it's going to be an off season like no other. Uh, and, and so it's almost a good time to make a coaching change because you're going to have more options to fill immediate needs on your roster than at any point in college football history. So, you know, even with that, the majority of the players on the new coaches roster next year are going to be must-champ recruits. That's a fact of life. And I think it would be wholly unfair if when a new coach is hired, fans sit around and label guys. You know, okay, well, this kid – made a bad play in a game. Oh, he's a must champ guy, you know, because yeah, must champ recruited him and, and all that. But, you know, these types of attitudes, uh, you know, probably permeated throughout the team because of the leadership, because you're talking about some of the better players on the team, you know, it's probably kind of hard for everybody when, you know, if they look up to Izzy McQuamu or Javon Kinlaw uh, and, and look, Kinlaw played hard his whole career and he's a great success story and I have nothing negative to say about that but think about their you know when when were the games where they kind of took it up a notch you know dominant not just good dominant with ken long and and, and when's the only game last year McQuamu really came out and played balls out um that was the georgia game kind of a contract game right third ranked team in the country full of nfl talent lots of scouts watching you know, um and, and and that's interesting, you know, and, and that kind of thing permeates out the whole team. That said, the guys left on the team, that doesn't mean every single one of them is like that. I mean, I just mentioned Jamie Robinson. Hey <laughs> guys, you're gonna have to use a stick of dynamite, you know, blow up the field before he's gonna quit playing. Um, I mentioned Zaquandre White, you know, here's a guy that has every reason in the world to 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 complain and pout because things hadn't gone his way. And the one thing, one of the reasons he went to junior college was to play running back. And, you know, he comes back to South Carolina and, you know, he's late and then he gets hurt and then other guys are ahead of him. And he doesn't, you know, he's trying to work his way back. Uh, And all he's doing is busting his ass on the as the gunner on the punt team and doing a great job of being enthusiastic uh, about playing football and his teammates. And then this week unselfishly, and they're going to move him back, but unselfishly. He goes to safety. You know, I mean, that that's the kind of guy. Every reason in the world to be discouraged, you know, because uh, youko kids don't come in like just wanting to sit on the bench, you know. And, and, and there's tons of guys like that. Kevin Harris is a guy like that. You know, there was rumors Marshawn Lloyd was transferring. I checked on him uh, through a contact uh, yesterday. Doing great loving his life, loving his workout, you know? Uh they, they don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, you know, you, you, you think about even even Ryan Halinski who could have pouted and been upset and all that good stuff. He, he's team guy. You know, Deshaun Fenwick certainly has had his moments where he probably second guessed you know himself and, and all that. He's he's hanging in there. Shy Smith. Shy Smith could have opted out. He's done enough to to get his draft status he's done enough Ernest Jones you know I mean the, the, there there are far many more kids on the roster right now that want to be at South Carolina that want to play than there are these guys that have moved on or that are in the process of moving on that are butt hurt and showing their butts on social media uh now we get on down the road and 100% of these guys are like bitter and all that that's a different story but what i don't want people to do is as we move forward to look at the roster and you know every and label guys and 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 you almost subconsciously divide the roster um in, in you know with what you say and what you speak and what you put out there on social media and the internet um you kind of subconsciously do that and that's going to make the new coach's job much harder. You know, the new – you know, fans don't need to be dividing into, you know, team Muschamp and then team Napier, Beamer, Freeze, whoever. Uh, you know, they're all going to be the new coach's players. Uh, and, and, you know, quite frankly, the, the Spurrier guys, you know, helped Muschamp win from three to six to nine wins. Interesting. You know, probably not as much talent as they got now, like, player-wise. So, there we go, man. Uh, that, that's my little spiel on that. I'm going to get to some mailbag questions. Again, if you want my prediction, I picked Carolina 28, Missouri 24. So, there we go. Um, let's get on Twitter. There are two ways, two ways. To reach the Big Spur Pod or Inside the Game Cox podcast uh, on the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, which I encourage all of you to follow, please. Um, and then inside the GameCocks at gmail.com. And we'll check. I know I got at least one email, so we'll go through this. Ken he tweets at us: Do you think we have a chance of hiring Col- Chadwell as OC? His offense sure is fun to watch. Beamer as coach, Chadwell as OC, young aggressive DC would be fun combo. I mean, like, look, if Jamie Chadwell would take that job, I, I certainly think they could quadruple his salary. You know, I think he could – as an OC, you could pay him $1.2 to come coach at South Carolina. The question is, would he want to do that? Because I, I'm telling you, I talked to people behind the scenes – about Chadwell, and there's a lot of people that think he's the next great young up-and-comer. Uh, and, and I look at that, and, you know, I don't know. I know he won at North Greenville, and he won at Charleston Southern, and he's won at Coastal. Those are not three easy jobs within the state. Um, and he's kind of from a cradle of coaches. He's from East Tennessee. Uh, lots of Mac Brown, Philip former, Steve Spurrier. Lots of other guys have come from East Tennessee as coaches. Um, I love his offense. I, You know, I, I think it's fair to question if it would work in the Southeastern Conference. I tend to think it would, um, but you never know. I mean, you know, a, a lot of times people are like, that won't work in the SEC. Uh, and when it's a new, fresh concept, it usually does. Now, Mike Leach is struggling right now because Mike Leach has been coaching Air Raid for – 20 years, and uh, he runs it, like, in its purest form. You know, some of the other guys run Air Raid, but they, they're a little bit of, uh, you know, some sort of deviations and stuff. Uh, and I don't know that Mike Leach is struggling just because of his system. I think that, you know, you won't talk about everybody opting out and all that. That's They've got a lot more problems at Mississippi State than they do at South Carolina. Um, You know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, if, if Shane Beamer got the job – you know what I what I maybe call and see, yeah, sure. I think you could pay him a lot of money, but you know, is money what's driving Jamie Chadwell right now? I don't think so, because I think he knows he's getting a bigger job. Um, and and that's that. You know, another thing too you can think about. I mean, with regards to a Beamer OC, you know, he probably would keep Bobo. I don't know. I, I talked to a source yesterday that said that's not one hundred percent. It could happen. Maybe not. You know, he could hire Bobby Bentley as the O.C., um, you know, and, and I have not heard Bobby's name as the O.C., but uh, that would make sense, especially, you know, if you want to kind of mesh systems and you send Bobby out to meet with Lincoln Riley, and I can't imagine how good that system would be. I think good. Uh, you can go outside. You can try to hire Jamie Chadwell. You can try to hire somebody from the Big Twelve. I mean, there's all kinds of guys um, to go hire. And 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 I personally, if I'm the guy, and you know, if you wanted to keep Bobby Bentley and turn it over to him, I'd be all for that because I think you know he it's it's kind of been unfair to him the whole time he's been at Carolina, you know, coaching a position when he was probably the best offensive play caller on the roster on the team. Until Bobo got there. And, and and he and Bobo are different styles. But um, probably the best play caller they, they had in the building. And continue. And it, then all they did was shuffling back and forth from tight end to running backs, which I think sucks. You know, uh, I, I understand most of the, the coaching personnel moves they made. Uh, I know that Roper kind of sold – must on the, you know, these RPOs from the NFL that are so popular. And, and I know Musham sits around and watches ball all the time. And, you know, he sees it. I mean, how, how do you not want that, like with the Philadelphia Eagles or, or, or going up and down the field or whatever? But, you know, that was a bill of goods. And uh, when he got in the game, Roper couldn't call it. You know, great in practice. I mean, I've heard some, he's a practice legend. But uh, in the game, he tightened up. I mean, you know, and you know, it's just it's that that deal. I'm, so you know, to me, the fact Bobby Billy never got a chance to run the offense is just mind blowing. Fuck, fro-froken mind blowing. <laughs> Almost messed up there. But uh, you know, so if you want to go that direction, uh, you know, I think I think that would work too. But yeah, I, I want to let I want to finish up here with Ken. Jamie Chadwell to me, of all the candidates, when you talk about offense, is the most intriguing candidate. And you got to kind of have guts to go hire him because you know he's sun Belt level guy that you know has just kind of worked his way up, never been around a big big program. but you know, you look at that offense and, and the other thing I like about it is, And he's proven this at three different stops in the state. You're always going to be able to recruit guys to run it. You know, there's always a good dual threat quarterback in South Carolina's recruiting footprint. Uh, There's always a guy that can run and throw. There's always, you know, believe it or not, there's always receivers, which is another subject (laughs) for another matter. You can go get running backs. You can get offensive linemen to play in that system. You can get hybrid guys to go out. I mean, it's, it's, and it's just so different with the blending of concepts that I think it's the best one. Now, I also think that Mike Bobo's system uh, at South Carolina is good for South Carolina. I mean, I think it's so versatile, you know, and you're going to kind of ebb and flow with playmakers sometime. He's proven he can get the ball to his playmakers because uh, there's not but a handful. So it's pretty obvious. Um and you know he could do everything from a five five wide shotgun spread to a uh, a dagom eye formation that you know grounded pound kind of deal. Uh, and, and if you're South Carolina, you know you always want to be unpredictable in a special preparation and, and throw people off. You know, I mean, I know Ole Miss's defense is awful, but what the game, the, you know, the Gamecocks actually, you know, they hadn't done what they did against Ole Miss all year you know, they adjusted things subtly and all that, you know, Kevin Harris is averaging what 6.7 yards before contact and a running back before contact doing that. That's that, that means he's getting schemed open and the blockings there up front. So those of you that always complain about the offensive line, there you go. I think some people just complain about the offensive line when the quarterback, you know, gets sacked. (laughs) Otherwise you ignore it. But, You know, Bobo can do any of that. They're installing a quarterback run game because they know they have Doty and Stockton coming up. Um, So so for South Carolina, that could be it. And and I thought back because, you know, we were discussing Shane Beamer possibly as the head coach. So I I did a deep dive into Virginia Tech and, you know, sort of what their offense looked like over the years. And there was always fundamentals, you know. The Hokies always had a good running back and they were always going to try to run the ball. And I think that's smart with any – you know, Steve Spur always tried to run the ball, too. Now, sometimes he'd just be like, well, we're just going to pass now since we can't run it. But he'd always try. Every, everybody that's successful in football tries to establish a ground game. Um, but th- what they did was it was, you know, it, it kind of morphed. I mean, you, you go from a quarterback like Jim Druckenmiller that was kind of a statue in the pocket but a big arm. Uh, to a Michael Vick and you take advantage of his run game. And, you know, it, it kept evolving over the years. And, you know, that's that's what kind of d- deal uh, Bobo brings to the table. You can, you can literally do anything. And he's a good enough coach to where he doesn't just, you know, there's some coaches out there that will throw a 100-page playbook at you and expect you to digest and master it all. And he doesn't do that. He'll pare it down, install stuff some weeks, you know, um, and I think for South Carolina, you want to be both aggressive and versatile. Uh, and I think Chadwell is that because I, I think his system in a different way, you know, because w- what are you supposed to do with it? You know, well, you got to worry about the option, but you also got to worry about all these other creative runs. And then you got to worry about the RPO game. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, geez. You know, you know, if I'm a defensive coordinator, you know, I'm sweating about both those guys in different ways. And then, you know, I mentioned Bobby earlier. I'd be sweating about that too because that's a that's a big old wide open spread like Lane Kiffin runs, or you know, like Joe Brady around at LSU. So, um, anyway, thank you, Ken. Love talking offensive coordinators. Ray, good to hear from you, Ray. He says he agrees with recent speculation that Muschamp's problem was an emphasis on individual player development that somehow de-emphasized team development and winning. Yeah. The word somehow is really good here. I don't know how really that ended up happening, but uh, you know, it explains consistent underachieving. Yeah. Also, you know, like I said, the Georgia explains the overachieving in certain games too, like Georgia. Uh, expected prominent former players to defend Muschamp. That's true. But in sorts to the university, are disappointing. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's, you know, and like I said, there, there are guys from the Spurrier era whose careers and, and experiences at the University of South Carolina, you know, were, were much more disappointing than any of these guys. You know, uh, Javon Kinlaw had an extremely positive experience at South Carolina. He was, you know, multi uh, multimillionaire, you know. Brian Edwards, uh, his other choice was to go to Clemson and play safety. University of South Carolina gave him the chance to come and set records at receiver. Um, Keyshawn Nixon uh, was a guy that his experience at the University of South Carolina – allowed him to be an undrafted free agent and get played to play to play football with the Raiders. I mean, I just uh, – J.C. Horn, too. He'll end up being an outstanding corner, probably first-round pick. And uh, somebody will pick up McQuamu too. And if, you know, he takes to coaching and plays hard every snap, I think he'll be a successful pro as well. Um, and, and it was, you know, yes, Will Muschamp had a lot to do with that. But, I mean, you're, you're going to talk about sorry school and sorry program, and, and you're the first group of guys that's gotten this $50 million training facility. You, you train in the best facility in the country. You have or one of them. You have the best indoor facility in the country. They're living accommodations. At 650 Lincoln are second to none. You have an academic support center that's uh, one of the best in the country. I don't know. Don't know. But yeah, it, it's disappointing. And, uh, you know, I, I think some of the spurrier guys are like, well, we didn't have any of that, <laughs> you know, when we were there. Uh, look what you guys have had. So, you know, it's just kind of crazy. Um, oh, God. Who is this person? Blah 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 blah. Shut up. All right, never mind. Uh there's some people out there that that claim to have like webs, you know, some blogs or something, but it's basically just a Twitter account. And it's just like man, man, man. It's all preachy. And the other day they uh they totally misquoted Whittle or so Tony or somebody um about mass transfers, uh, which was moronic. You know, I'm not going to name the Twitter account, but if you happen to be listening, you know, clean up your act, man, and you know, stop preaching. Nobody really cares what you have to say. It's not going to make you more relevant, you know, in my opinion. Anyway, we are going to answer emails now. We only got a couple, so we will be done with this episode soon. Dale. Emails in JC Connor Shaw. I know he doesn't have any real coaching experience. However, he has passion for the school and the game. He can make a connection to the kids. Yes, he does that every day. Obviously, he wouldn't get the position this time around, but should he remain on staff with the new HBC, would he be someone to consider for a future opening at the school? Yeah, what I've heard about Connor is, you know, it's just a matter of does he want to be a coach? I mean, his dad's a coach, his brother's a coach. And I, I believe in my heart that Connor Shaw would not only be one day a good head coach in the Southeastern Conference, but a special head coach in the Southeastern Conference. I, I think he's, uh, you know, kind of like he could do for whoever, kind of like Spurrier did for Florida. I mean, you know, he's that kind of guy. You know, I think he's a star if he, want, if he chooses this path. Um, I, I think he knows how to relate to kids these days. Uh, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders uh, as far as, you know, knowing kind of the mental aspect of players, um, which is why he's in the job he's in. But I also think he's a heck of a ball coach uh, as far as the game and the knowledge of the game and, and how to play in the quarterback position. Uh, and I'd be stunned if he couldn't design an offense that was awesome. <laughs> you know, maybe not right now, you know. he kind of getting a rhythm as a play caller like with anything. But, yeah, he, he stays on staff and and works, and they have success, I think, you know, in my lifetime, I'll say that because I'm 43, I'll be 44 soon, in my lifetime, Connor Shaw will be the head coach at South Carolina. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. If if he wants to go coach, now he may not want to, and, and that's the thing with some folks. Some folks want to be behind the scenes or, you know, kind of in administration or whatever, but uh, I think Connor Shaw – you know, everybody's starting to see what kind of leadership. And, and, look, it's good, man. Like, you know, times are tough with the Gamecocks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, like I've mentioned many times, it's tough when the program, the bottom falls out. And then you go through a, a, a replacement coach for Spurrier that doesn't really work out. Um, and then anything good that happens, like you beat Georgia or you open a facility or you do this, that – uh, you know, you just get beaten back down with the results on the field. Um, you know, no excitement, that kind of thing. And when he played, it was. And so, it, 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 you know, this is what another thing that winning will do for you. You know, uh, I didn't hear too many people from, you know, when Lou left, the you know, Spurrier came in, you know, complaining about Lou leaving or, or whatever. And I didn't hear too many people throw – Anybody under the bus, Brad Scott got fired, you know, and and then there was no – and then the guys from the Morrison era, you know, because of how that ended. I think a lot of those guys, your Sterling Sharps of the world, they they don't feel right coming in and making comments. But when you win over time like that, like Spurrier did, you have a lot of players that took a lot of pride in what was going on. And, you know, a guy like Connor Shaw, you know, that's how – You know, when you have success, it kind of allows for future success because, you know, the players that played during that era know what it takes, and then some of them become coaches. Some of them become dads to really good football players, you know. Some of them become businessmen that make a ton of money that, you know, help fund facilities, you know. It's always good to win and have great players and to take care of your former players, too. I mean – Look, let's not sit here and, you know, Javon Kenlaw and Brian Edwards are are millionaires. You know, what about the guys that busted their ass for Must Champ that are out there? You know, let, let's not not take care of them, um, and, and embrace those guys just because of, you know, what a couple millionaires say on Twitter. You know, just to be frank, or future millionaires, as it is with JC Horn. Um, so I, I do think that, uh, Connor Shaw, if he wants to, could be an amazing head coach, not just a run of the mill. Oh, it's Connor, whatever. But I think an absolutely amazing, uh, head football coach at the collegiate level at the highest level. And he'd probably want to be at South Carolina. You know, that's a good thing. That's what I'm saying. It's good to have good guys and good players play for your program and win, because you get some callback options at that point. Reggie says, all aboard the Shane train. JC, before Muschamp was fired, I'm sure you noticed that the top seven recruits in the composite in South Carolina are committed to other teams. Yeah, that's true. I know it's a lot of individual situations, and it's one year, but that seems like recruiting malpractice at USC. I don't know if it's malpractice, man, as much as it's just uh, – People knew he was on the hot seat. They were hesitant, and Georgia and Florida came in and, and got those two guys. Let, let me let me look at this top seven, though, so I'm kind of explaining it right, because there may also be some guys that did not get offered. So let me go. Uh, player rankings. Here we go. We'll pull this up. Player rankings. Composite. State of South Cackalack. Pull that up. All right, so – all right, so, okay, Ingram Dawkins, TID, whoever the new coach is should try to flip him from Georgia. Um, don't know if they'll be successful or not. I don't know who the D-line coach is going to be. It's hard when you don't get the in-home meetings. You know, you're going to have to flip a guy over Zoom. That may be tough, but I'd, I'd at least try. Same with Justice Boone from Sumter. Uh, the number three guy is Kobe Pesor from Gaffney. Uh He's a guy uh, that um, moved in to uh, moved into uh, from North Carolina. I'm sorry, I got distracted there for a second. Uh, so he's committed to North Carolina. So he, he's you know he's kind of like you know a, a senior year move in or whatever. Um, so you know chalk that up to him not being from from South Carolina. Josh Burrell from Blythewood, they did not offer. I don't know why he's fourth. I, I mean, I'm you know, look, I, I wasn't all that fired up other than speed about Jalen Hyatt either, but I was wrong. So I may be wrong. He's going to FSU. Um, so we'll see. We'll track his career. I know, you know, some of the local schools weren't as uh, fired up about him. So I think that when you look at it like that, Uh, Number five was J.J. Jones. Carolina offered him super late. I don't know that they pushed for him all that much. And North Carolina had the advantage. Uh, Number six is Amari Huggins-Bruce, who's a guy that uh, Carolina did not offer. Maybe they should have. I don't know. He's small, but he's quick. Going to Louisville. Number seven, Robbie Oates. And to me, Robbie Oates should be top three. Um, he's going to Alabama. Kind of always wanted to go out of state. Um, and went to Alabama. Uh, and then you got TJ Sanders and Omega Blake. So, you know, I could shake this up a bit, and I'll I'll go to the 24-7 sports rankings because my man Charles Power sort of does it. So he has Pesor at four, the kid from North Carolina going to North Carolina, but but he's got Omega Blake and TJ Sanders five and six. Um, I would put Oots up there in the top three, but so it's not as bad when you look at it, you know, from the standpoint of, I guess the, uh, the, uh, top players within the state. I think when you go to 2022, you know, that's when things start to look a little scary because, you, you know, the, the in-state talent sort of comes back, but you got, um, uh, You know, you got guys that are in Greenville County heading to Clemson. So, um, you know, let's look at 2022. You got Jaden Lucas, Malden, Jaleel Skinner, Greer, Jalen Sneed. Go check out what the – he's from Hilton Head. Go check out what his coach tweeted about Carolina the other day. Adam Randall, Myrtle Beach, Colin Sandler, Greenville. You know, so you look at it, and it's you know that top group is going to be, you know, pretty tough uh, for next year. But anyway, that's kind of the you know the in-state thing. But I, you know, I I don't I don't know about malpractice. I w- I'll probably say malpractice. Let, let's say Josh Burrell at receiver and Amari Huggins Bruce at receiver go to Louisville and Florida State and tear it up. Um Yeah, I'll say something then, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Uh, Reggie goes on, I feel like the way to succeed in South Carolina is to not miss on in-state guys and pick off Georgia, Florida, North Carolina guys where you can. Agreed. There's no question. That will get you uh, a decent number of wins every year with the occasional jump and be able to beat everybody on your schedule. Shane Beamer can do that and establish uh, the culture we need again. There are plenty of examples of guys without head coaching experience who have worked out and plenty with head coaching experience who haven't. I agree with that. It's hard to know beforehand because different schools are so different, the success doesn't always translate. Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, or even guys like Brian Kelly are the exception, not the rule. Brian Kelly has won a lot. So all things being equal, if I'm going down, I like this, Reggie. I like I, I like to say that sometimes. I'm like, if I'm going down, I'm going down, blah, 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 blah. So all things being equal, Reggie says, if I'm going down, I'm going down with a guy who loves the university, the city of Columbia and the state and knows what it takes to win here. And I actually love that he doesn't come in with a specific system or scheme. I'm tired of having, is the head coach meddling too much? Is Spurger calling the plays? Is my champ going to take over for T-Rob conversation? Let Beamer take the tone, bring in the guys and give him the resources to get coordinators. They'll have us a potent offense and an attacking defense. I can obviously get on the Napier bandwagon as well for many of the obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I, I like those two guys as candidates. I really do. Um, and I explained this week why Shane is a candidate, and I'll explain why Napier is, and I'll explain why Hugh Freeze is at one point too, probably. Probably just do those three unless I get a, a you know a notice that maybe somebody else is doing. And, and I talked a lot about Jamie Chadwell earlier too, so – We'll see. All right. Go join the big spur.com. Like I said, you know, I'm going to relax this weekend, but I'll be on and off the board. Um, you know, any breaking news, I'll be right there. It's probably South Carolina's probably not gonna hire a coach this weekend. Um, we go join the bigspur.com. You can join for a 50% off annual membership. That's half off, or join for a dollar with a monthly. Um and if, if you don't want to join VIP, that's fine too because, you know, there, there's there's some pay sites out there that you have to pay to read anything at all. That's not true on the Big Spur. It's kind of a hybrid. Uh, you, there's lots of free articles each and every day. Uh, you can like our Facebook page, South Carolina Gamecocks at 24-7 Sports um, on Facebook, and you like that, and we put all our free content there. Subscribe to our newsletter. You know, th- there's lots of ways you can consume info from the big spur, without having to join, but we would like to have you join. Please continue to rate this podcast five stars. Uh, I'm not I, you know. I'm hopeful now. I, I was feeling down in the dumps about getting to a thousand by the end of the season. Now that we got a coaching change, coaching search, maybe I can still get there. I've maybe readjusted my goal a little bit. I'd love to get to 500, but go. Rate at five stars, write me a review uh, right there. Also, don't forget this week, the JC and Morgan College Football Podcast is back. And Mike and I went heavy depth, in-depth into this job. You guys hear me talk about this job uh, every day in Carolina. Mike Morgan, you know, used to be the voice of Gamecock basketball and baseball. Now with ESPN, the SEC Network talks to a lot of ADs, really brings you that insight, not, not not necessarily inside South Carolina perspective, although he does have contacts there, but the inside of the Southeastern Conference perspective. You know, you're talking about a guy that's got connections at the administrative level at all 14 SEC schools. And so his perspective is different than mine. Uh, And so I I think that, you know, that's worth a listen to. It's on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, I think that one's even on iHeartRadio. I don't know why we're not on iHeartRadio, but there we go. Folks, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, you know, e- even with all the debate about the, the team and the coaches um, and the new search and and, and controversy or whatever, uh, it's good to see some Gamecock fans with hope again. And, and that's all you need, you know, to, to move forward in life sometimes is hope. Uh, and I'm glad you guys got it. You know, I'm happy for you because, like I said, it's been a rough four years and some change. I mean, sometimes it was a lot, not even like watching football. It's like watching the daggum uh, rock throwing contest sometimes, you know, like, like, like Braveheart, like, you know, when he was like, could you crush me like a worm? I could crush you. I was like, would you like to see me crush you like a worm? And I think it was like, uh Amish goes, I was like test of manhood. I mean, it was literally like watching that sometimes, you know, in a in a weird way and I was like you know it was just that gear grinding never relax ah. and I have my reasons for that more than just you know your average fan but um anyway good to see gamecocks with some hope again take that into your weekend go pull for the gamecocks to get that trophy back again that's important maybe I'm Maybe I'm a little stupid, but, like, in the Big Ten, they always play for all this stuff like the pig and the bucket, you know, all that crap they do up there. Well, South Carolina-Missouri is one of the few SEC games that you get a trophy every year. So, uh, you know, hope that they get it. Anyway, this is J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecast Podcast. Holla at you guys soon. Once again, prediction, South Carolina 28, Missouri 24. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will holla at you next week.